two games in the NBA, including the Denver Nuggets, keeping their hopes alive. We've got the recap. And outrage inside the bubble after another police shooting of an unarmed black man. Plus, we've got a lightning round in the third segment. Giannis wins Defensive Player of the Year. We cover it all in the Wednesday edition of Locked On NBA. Let's do this. You are Locked On the NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Wednesday episode of Locked On NBA is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code Locked On, and you'll get $10 off your next order. On Wednesdays, I'm your usual co-host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, and the host of the Locked On Pelicans podcast. And I am John Corrales, at Reds Army underscore John on Twitter, and I host the Locked On Celtics podcast. So, John, we had two games in the NBA last night. Uh, one was fun. One was not not so much fun. Not guess, depending on on who you are here. Which, which game should we start with? Uh, let's start with the one that we couldn't even wait to finish before we, yeah, we were like ready before to... we started. Which is it's just about to go final as we're recording this with the Clippers one fifty four one eleven. I'm assuming that's seven be seconds the left. We're just going to assume go. that that's just the went final. One fifty four one eleven. Good timing. Uh, we, we are accurate here. So, so Paul George can turn on his Instagram comments again, right? <laughs> yes, basically that's it. Uh, I don't think there's much to get into with this game. I think it's pretty straightforward. With no Porzingis and with Luka Doncic, just that, that ankle Looking clearly human. bothering him. Just not just basically half a Doncic. They, the, the Clippers got Paul George back and they got quote-unquote, playoff P. He finally showed up with 35 points, and he, he shot 10, 12 of 8. And Montrez Harrell was huge off the bench. The two biggest things that the Clippers weren't getting, they got. And the things that the, the Mavericks were getting that, that got them this far, they didn't get. And this is the result. Yeah, like if you watched any part of this game, you kind of get how it goes and you summed it up well. Paul George made his like playoff P return, 12 of 18 from the field, as you mentioned, 35 points, four of eight from three in this one. There was kind of a moment of the night in this one where Kawhi Leonard just completely swallowed up a Boban shot that like looked like they were the same height when one of them is actually seven foot four. That was kind of, I don't know, that was cool. That's because that's because uh, Kawhi's hands are actually three feet tall. So when he puts his arm up, it's, it's like the size well, of the moon. It feels it's ridiculous. Like, it's like each just one. kind of, yeah, it just kind of like pick that out of the air. He's the only person with size with hands that could match Boban size. Like he, yeah, he's just it, it was cool. If you haven't seen that, like go go look at it because like oh my god, I, you sometimes <laughs> just forget like how much of a freak Kawhi is. And again, that's also why you know they beat like the socks off here to the tune of forty three points. Uh, the Mavericks in this one going up in the series three one. The other game though was fun. This yes. didn't feel like it might go this way, and we'll take a bit of a deeper dive in this one. This was Denver Nuggets Utah Jazz one seventeen one hundred seven win for the Denver Nuggets to take this to a uh, game six again, you know, they're in a must win situation here. 
Uh, oh my God! By the way, at times Jamal Murray, forty-two <laughs> points, twelve or seventeen of twenty-six from the field, four of eight from deep, no turnovers. He didn't have a turnover last game either when he put up fifty, right or forty-nine. I forget what he did, and he's on like as big of a heater as we've ever seen. It's it's kind of it's kind of in- incredible. The first player in playoff history to have consecutive games with over forty points. And zero turnovers. The, that number is insane. That's that's just a ridiculous number. You know how we all get caught up in these tropes of like, oh, well, well, they just wanted it more. Like literally, I I think this is just the case of Jamal Murray wanted it more. He wanted it so badly that he went on one of the most insane individual runs that I I've I've seen. Like this this run that he made to to close this game was he had nine straight in the fourth to really kind of bury the utah jazz and then he had that dish to Jokic who hit the three which was essentially the dagger in this one so just creating for others too it wasn't just his scoring he was awesome in this one The, the 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 denver nuggets came out kind of firing they had Jokic who put up 21 in the first quarter and didn't miss a shot and looked like they were going to come out and really take control of this game. But then Utah comes back in it. And then you've seen what's kind of doomed Denver all game long, particularly in the second quarter. And that is their defense, which has just been like abysmal at times. It feels like they, they kind so I don't want to say they righted the ship here, but they ran a couple of lineups that seem to actually do some work defensively, which just being adequate for them is a huge improvement and feels like a win where they decided that they realized they couldn't handle what Utah has been throwing at them in the pick and roll the entirety of this series, and then just decided to go with a very tall and big lineup in like P.J. Dozer, Michael Porter Jr., Paul Millsap, along with Jokic at times out there, and Jeremy Grant, who played 40 minutes in this, and just hope that like length throws off the Utah Jazz to a degree. And you know what? It kind of worked. Kind of did. Yeah, it kind of did. They, they did a couple of things in here. Um, they really defended the, the rim well. The Jazz, 27% of the Jazz shots came at the rim, which is a lot less than they're used to, a lot less than they're, that they want. They, they did not get a, a, a lot of uh, Rudy Gobert rolls to the rim. Uh, and without attacking the rim, they didn't get as many free throws. So uh, credit Denver for taking away the rim and – and really limiting a big part of what the Jazz wanted to do. And look, they kept Porter out there, and they didn't just leave Porter out there to to get torched. Instead of just the straight switches, when it came time to switch, they actually trapped a little bit more, double teamed a little bit more, and and that kind of took the ball out of the hands of the person that was looking to go at Porter. So they 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 made a couple of nice adjustments and. The big thing there is you keep an offensive threat on the floor for when Jamal Murray is is attacking to give him a bit more space, but you reduce the amount of defensive liability that he was, and and that I think that was pretty big down the stretch. No, it was. And he he's been. You have to put Michael Porter Jr. out there because of how good he is offensively. And he put up 15 on the night in this one. Murray, as we mentioned, 42. Jokic with 31. So you need the court spacing there, especially against a team like the Utah Jazz with Rudy Gobert down low. So that's important. If you can just not make him 
miserable on defense. And you saw them just play kind of smarter on the defensive side of the ball too, forcing a guy like Donovan Mitchell into those traps and into the help defense, which they haven't been doing all series. And they've kind of let Mitchell go wherever he wants. And you limited him to 30 points in this game. And that like feels like a win, even if it's 30, given him, uh, given how he's kind of been torching them. You got like I don't think the Jazz look bad in this one, and I think they're probably still kind of in control of this series. But uh, credit to Jordan Clarkson, who must have gotten his like eyes fixed or something going into the bubble. <laughs> he had 17 points on the night. He's been shooting the three ball really well. He was four of seven from deep in this one. Royce O'Neal in the second half was really quiet when he's been important for them, and I think that yeah. hurt them a little bit. Um, not getting like a ton out of him, particularly in the fourth, but. Uh, this series got kind of interesting all of a sudden. Yeah, it totally did. And, you know, it, it, it's up to Utah now to kind of figure out a way to adjust to the adjustments, right? Uh, yeah. You've got, you've got these, these lineups for Denver. The Jokic-Murray-Porter lineup is now plus 25 in 91 playoff minutes. So that's, that's going to be a, something that I think Utah is going to have to figure out how to attack. Um, and look, PJ Dozier needs to get a little bit more uh, credit here for some of the big defensive plays. This dude was a two-way player last year for the Celtics. I was sitting there in the Celtics locker room where he was sitting in the middle of the locker room because they didn't have enough lockers for everybody. Um, and now here he is in playoff in the playoffs making a couple of really big defensive plays down the stretch. So uh, they the 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 Nuggets had some schematic things work. They had some guys play above their heads. Uh, can can that happen? Can you rely on PJ Dozier to make big defensive plays? Like that's uh, the question, right? Like I liked what they did and it worked in this game, but like, do you feel this will carry over to Game Six? And that I'm not sure about. And, and the other thing is, like, a big reason why Denver won was uh, Jokic's shooting. Is he going to shoot seven of eleven from three again? That that's that's a that's a big ask for him. I mean. Having 31 points, six rebounds, four assists, that's, that's something he can do. But can he duplicate that three-point shooting? Uh, I'm sure one of those he's not going to duplicate, that buzzer beater. But um, <laughs> it's, it's still a big ask. And as much as Jamal Murray has been just this godlike closer, to, to drop 50 points in, a, in one game and 42 in this one and shoot, 65 and a half percent i mean at some point he's gonna have with to no down turnovers down, right like with, with no turnovers right like that's that's just ridiculous and, and awesome great for him but i i think there's going to be a little bit of a correction there and as long as the jazz can keep going i think the jazz just need to keep going and, and just make a couple of tweaks figure out how to get uh, get back at the rim a little bit more uh, get Mike Conley. Mike Conley was a big reason why they built a 15 point lead. And then uh, a couple of his, his struggles there down the stretch were part of the reason why they blew the 15 point lead. So get a little bit more consistent consistency from Mike Conley. And he's been a big reason why the, the jazz were even in this situation to, to potentially close out the series. If he has a game uh, in the next one, like he had in the past few, then I, I think the jazz can close out the series. Yeah, that's kind of where I feel about it. If, if Denver comes out and plays very similar to this in the next game, it, you know, and then we get a game seven, I might kind of change the way I'm feeling about this one. But I it, like 
they they had that insane Jokic first quarter and were only up a point. Like that doesn't bode well to me, you know, for how things are going to go the rest of the game. Then unless you just stay that hot or almost that perfect, you can go out and win. They kind of did. If you don't get some of that or you get like 85% of it, I don't know if they win that ga- this game. And that's right. a bit of a concern because you can't necessarily rely on some of that stuff. Right, right. I mean, that, that's it. Like this game was over. People that I saw on Twitter were talking about like, who's more disappointing, the Sixers or the Nuggets? And then all of a sudden you have this, yeah. you know, that stretch. And, you know, what does that mean? Does it? that stretch is not going to be that stretch all the time. Although we've seen it twice now. <laughs> we've seen it twice. Man, Murray. I, like I'm I mean, not the, bu- the not, bubble offenses have been just bonkers crazy. and bananas here. So like, I'm not ready to rule out, you know, 50 plus point performance with like one turnover. Maybe that's what, what, what it'll right. Take. <laughs> right. Like, that's still pretty good. So I don't know. We'll see. It's at least this series is extended. It was fun. I'm excited about that. So like, cool game six. Yay, good adjustments, Denver. Carry it over and let's get to a game seven because we need some excitement in this first round. There we go. There we go. So moving on, that was your your too long, didn't watch, only two games on the night. You probably watched one of them, maybe not the second, so we covered it all for you. Uh, So coming up, we are going to talk a little bit more about social justice, Jacob Blake, what's going on around the NBA. So stay tuned, coming up here in just a moment. Don't forget, subscribe to the Locked On NBA podcast wherever you get your podcast from here, Monday through Friday for you all, breaking down not only the games from the night before so you can sound like you watched a win, maybe you didn't, but also the biggest stories around the NBA and giving you our insight here. And we've got a big one coming up. They had a lot of discussion going on around the NBA and players. It feels like it's a boiling point. Is that safe to say, John? Yes. Yes. Um, yes. And so Jacob Blake was a 29-year-old black man who was shot multiple times in the back by a white officer on Sunday in Kenosha, Wisconsin. And this is, uh, again, boiling point, tipping point, whatever kind of moment you want to say, this is a moment where the players who might have had some concerns about coming back to play in the bubble and kind of take the spotlight away from some of the social justice moments, and things got quiet for a little bit. But they're frustrated, I think, that they haven't seen a whole lot of change during this time, and they're trying to find ways to really create that, I think. Yeah, yeah, I think, so after George Floyd, um, things kind of calmed down a bit. The, the protests across the country kind of simmered a little bit, except for you know a couple of hot spots like Portland. Uh, and I think because things cooled off a little bit, Players felt like, look, we can get back into the bubble, start talking about this again, and start and keep the conversation going. If the yeah. if the restart was maybe two or three weeks earlier, uh, and the protests were still hot across the country, I don't know that there wouldn't have been as as much uh, enthusiasm for going back. But so they did, and the conversation, uh, you know, they they would talk. And now I'm in these Zoom calls. You're in Zoom calls. Uh, Jalen Brown for the Celtics has been outspoken. He's had uh, at least two or three different occasions where he'll start, you know, he'll start his his press conference with a statement on social justice, justice for Breonna Taylor, go vote, things like that. And either we'll switch to basketball stuff or the entire thing will be that. Now that this has happened again, now that we're here uh, with Jacob Blake in in these guys have now seen it happen again 
And now they can't, they're stuck. They're stuck inside the bubble. This is why there's a boiling point because now they can't do anything and it's happened again. And they're, they're thinking, a lot of these guys are thinking, we heard Norm Powell say it, Jalen Brown was saying it, uh, a few others who came out with strong statements on, on Tuesday. Like, we came here to keep this discussion going, and now it's happened again. And what, what we were talking about isn't working. We're in the same place that we were before, and it's not working. So, so that's, that's the point I think is, is important here. Not that things aren't happening or they're not able to do things. It's the steps that they're taking, which is talking about this and keeping the discussion going, while a very important thing, maybe to them, and, and keep in mind, we're two white guys talking about this. So I, I kind of keep that top of mind with some of the stuff. They're, what they're doing isn't creating the type of action or results that they want. And I can see that being a very frustrating situation. It's great to talk about this as much as we possibly can. But if it doesn't result in meaningful change, and this situation shows it hasn't resulted in meaningful change, that they're a little bit frustrated. Fred Van Vliet of the Toronto Raptors seems incredibly frustrated with this and has basically said as much that, you know, because it just hasn't changed. It's kind of simply as that. And it feels like their frustration is boiling over and they're trying to find ways to create action that creates meaningful change and not just the discussion going and keeping it going, which is important. Uh, but someone needs to do something. And he used the example of protest or of boycotting games and not playing games. And he said, this is the quote. So for example, this happened in Kenosha, Wisconsin, if I'm correct, would it be nice if in a perfect world, we all say we're not playing in the owner of the Milwaukee bucks, that's going to trickle down. If he steps up to the plate and puts pressure on the district attorney's office and the state's attorney and governors and politicians there to make real change and get some justice End quote, I get it. Like I get their frustrations on this sort of thing, you know, Talking about it, it needs more than that. They're in a position to potentially do something, and I think they feel an obligation to potentially do that. Yeah, there's there's so much. The what we're talking about here just goes so deep. So mm -hmm. the this was never going to change because of discussions or Black Correct. Lives Matter painted on the court or any of that stuff. Uh, it's going to happen. It's it's probably going to happen again. Unfortunately, like this is this is something that's ingrained in our society to a point where un until we get like full systemic change, these incidents to some degree are going to happen again. Um, so what are what are the players to do? They're, they're kind of in this this point of, all right, well, we tried the messaging and that it's, it's just kind of. I think people have just kind of there, there's a, a saturation point with some people with the message. And he even said it. He said the the media kind of like sensationalizes it, and like I think people tune it out with some of that, or it just becomes part of the norm for everyday life, and you just kind right. of accept it. Yes, I, I think so, and I think people can start tuning things out. Um, yeah, and there's only so much these guys can do in the bubble. You can only say so much. There's only at some point guys are repeating themselves. You come out, you mm -hmm. sit down, they say. You know, justice for Breonna Taylor, go out there and vote. Okay, they say it. They say it to us. It'll make it on TV. But honestly, like, let's have a frank discussion here. Yeah. The more you, you can say justice for Breonna Taylor time and time and time again, 
if you're just saying it, you're just saying it. And people are like, yep, that's right. That's true. Just Fully agree. And that's why I think they're trying to find ways to put pressure on owners exactly. who have some political capital or the league, which also has some political capital too. Best way to do that is probably by boycotting games, to be perfectly honest. Right. So and now I, I, oh, go ahead. No, no, I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean to interrupt. But so no, no, now no, we get just, to a point yeah. where, okay, so you boycott games. Now, I, and look, I'm going to preface all of this by saying this is not me telling a player what to do or what not to do. This is just talking out loud and thinking it through. If they, if, if the Celtics Raptors game one, if there's a protest game one, uh, what's the net effect? There's going to be news. There's going to be coverage. Um, does that cost anybody any money? Does it cost an owner any money? Probably not. Do so. There's, there's probably like players should probably protest out of, out of sheer anger and to want to send a message like that's, they should absolutely yeah. do that. However, they decide to do that. Then there's a protest that, okay, now we're talking about hitting somebody where it hurts. It's a different kind of protest. What do, how do you do that? How do you make sure that the message really gets out there? Maybe you protest again during the NBA finals. Maybe you wait until, or not wait until, but also protest on top of that next season when things have died down and the conversation has died down. When you get back to, hey, fans are in seats. We're getting back to making our money back. Now you say, oh, okay, game one of the NBA season with fans in the seats. You know what? Players Association, we're not going to play that game because we don't think you guys have done enough. Now you're talking about stuff with power. So there's different kinds of protests. There's the protest to say, hey, we're pissed off, which is one. The next protest is how do we display our power and how do we get some money behind our message? This reminds me of a – sorry, and I'm going on and on, but this yeah, reminds me of the uh, – I forget what year it was, 1966, 67 All-Star Game. Uh, All-Star Game in Boston. There was no Players Association. It was – nationally televised obviously some of the biggest stars in nba history are there bill russell tommy heinson bob cousy um they they were going to refuse to come out to play that game and they stayed in the locker room until the owners recognized the players association that's how the players association was formed during that protest there which was going to cancel a nationally televised at a critical time in nba history a nationally televised all-star game back when all-star games meant something and they affected change. Now, at a critical time in NBA history, when they're they're trying to make some money back, and they're back in, in in the seats and in the stands, if the players can organize a similar type of protest and and affect some sort of change, I think it would have some real power. Yeah, and, and that's what they're going to look to do. And this is not something that's going to go away anytime soon. And it's great that some owners are pushing for the arenas to be used as voting uh, places. Yep. make it easier for people to do it. But I think the players want something else. I, I think this has potential to get contentious too. be a bad look for the owners, but at a certain point, what are these owners, you know, they're going to push back, I think to some things that kind of seen how a lot are aligned. And so I don't know, we're, we're going to see how this goes, but if you were hoping that this isn't going to permeate the rest of the NBA, it's probably going to permeate this for seasons in the future. And I don't think this is going, John, you're nodding with me. Yeah. Like, yeah, going totally away any anytime soon it's not um because it is it's an important thing for everyone and it's particularly important for these players 
And yeah, John, you want the last word here? No, no, no. I will say that, oh, okay. that Jalen Brown, <laughs> Jalen Brown in his media availability did say that he thanked the NBA and he thanked the Boston Celtics for allowing this stuff. So I, when I talk about the, these things about power, it's, players are pissed off. They're not pissed off necessarily at the NBA, at the owners. I think they appreciate what the NBA has allowed them to do. And I think that's important to say. Um, I think they probably want more from the owners. They probably want yes. more from the league. But it's not to say that they're upset with how things have gone league-wide. They're upset with how things have gone socially. Yeah, fair. I do wonder, though, if they start to ask for more, start to want more, and the league either says no or the owners say no, then what happens? Yeah, sure, sure. Because we've seen the NBA put some limits on what they allowed them to do here in the bubble with the, mm -hmm. the limited names on the back of the jerseys with other things. And the league doesn't want to fully wade into this. I, I completely believe that. And it's understandable why they wouldn't. So things are okay now. That's why I say it has potential in the future, I think, to get contentious. I think they're okay with things for right now, but if they do ask for more and they go, look, owner of whatever team, you need to do this. You need to call this governor that you know and push for something, and the owner doesn't do that, what happens then? And that's where we're going to really start to kind of see where, I don't know, the, the direction the league's heading is maybe the best way to put it. I don't, I don't know how to like sum it up well, I guess. Yeah. No, I mean, it's... It there's so much uncertainty when it comes to all of this. Um, and I'm sure there's going to be some amount of this that, that is brought up during the collective bargaining agreement process. That's going to be renegotiated uh, in the form of either uh, allowances for players to protest penalties, you know, that might normally be assessed when players have a, an absence or something like that, that may be excused if it's in a form of protest, like, there, I'm yeah. sure this is going to come up somehow and be collectively bargained as well. So that's going to be our first test probably of, of if there's any sort of contention between owners and players. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a good point. We'll talk more about the CBA coming up here in just a second because there was a bit of news on that. So make sure you stay tuned. Uh, but before we get to all of that, today's show is brought to you by Built Bar. I can give you a real quick way to sum up built bar here and it's just the best tasting protein bar ever period it's delicious it, it was already really good and then they redid the formula and made them even better and put in brand new amazing flavors like caramel brownie cookies and cream lemon almond cheesecake a bunch of others and that's on top of their already great flavors like salted caramel mint brownie peanut butter coconut almond different things like that like these things are delicious you're gonna think you're eating a candy bar because frankly they're covered in 100% real chocolate. They're soft. They're easy to chew. They're not chalky. You don't need to like chug down a bottle of water just to kind of eat one of these things. They're basically just perfect. I have one every day for lunch as a meal replacement after my workout right around noon, and it's great. So if you're looking to lose or maintain weight while eating something delicious, Built Bars are perfect. They're low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, great for the keto diet. You can get some that have 19 grams of protein and 180 calories or 17 grams of protein and 130 calories. These things are awesome, John. I've, I've had them. I'm waiting for my new order to come in. So I've blown through all of my boxes, all my previous boxes, because they're so good. And now I'm ordering. What, what better way can we say? Because we sit here and we read ads all the time. I'm spending yeah. my own money to buy these. I am a yep. customer as well. 
look, there, there you go. We don't need to say a whole lot more, but we're going to because if you've ordered Built Bars before, they've reset their promo code for the relaunch with the new formula and the new branding and how good they all are now. Plus, they're going to toss in a free cooler with purchase while supplies last. So go to BuiltBar.com. Use promo code Locked On. You'll get $10 off your next order. That is promo code Locked On for $10 off over at BuiltBar.com. Don't forget, subscribe to Locked On NBA wherever you get your podcast from. Here Monday through Friday for you all, breaking down everything you want to know about the league. And there's a whole lot to talk about right now. And we're in the third segment. And because there's so much to talk about, we're going to do a bit of a lightning round. So let's just hit on some of the rapid biggest fire. topics here. Rapid fire. So we mentioned CBA. They've pushed yeah. the CBA negotiations back to wait to see how things play out. Yeah, this makes sense. Sure, of course it makes sense. I think we're waiting to see when we can get a uh, not just collective bargaining agreement kind of renegotiated. They probably don't want to tear up the whole thing, but we need to get a salary cap done. We need to get all of these other pieces of business which means the draft that was set for the middle of October is probably not going to happen until November. Free agency, not until November. We've talked about this, which means the mm-hmm. start of the next season is probably not going to start until 2021. Yeah. Uh, at the, in like January at the earliest, if that. So we'll see where that one goes. Other news, Giannis wins defensive player of the year. Anthony Davis finishes second. Rudy Gobert third. Like I don't have a problem with that order. I do have a problem with like the chucklehead who put Andre uh, who gave Andre Drummond a first place vote in this. That guy also, if you look down, Hassan Whiteside got a second place vote. That's the same guy. Same person? Who did he give a second place vote to? Oh, I don't remember. I don't remember. Whatever. Like those are terrible. Those are horrible. That's so stupid. He was on Twitter. I don't even remember who it was, and I'm glad I don't. People can go Twitter search it. But this guy was adamant. Don't go look that dude up. Adamant. He was adamant and he was like, I've been covering the league for 30 years, blah, blah, blah. Like, what a great, what better way to say the game has passed you by than to say blocks and rebounds are the only things you're going to talk about? Because, look, as a Boston guy, I'm going to sit here and cape for Marcus Smart. And why wasn't Marcus Smart up in this discussion uh, as well? It's tough for guards. Tied for six. It is tough for guards. It's really tough for guards. It's, but this is part of why that guys like that, are putting Andre Drummond first. Andre Drummond first and Hassan Whiteside second. Are you kidding me? Yeah, I'm not I'm not happy about that. Did you know the last guard to win defensive player of the year? Uh Gary Payton? Yeah. That's how far back we're going at this point, right? Wow. Like I don't I, I don't have the year that's a long in front time of ago. the last time he won it, but that's clearly a long time ago. That is a very long time ago. So there yeah. you go. So uh, but yeah, Giannis should have won. Davis yeah, finished second. That's good. good. I'm not, I'm like Rudy Gobert third. Like all of that sounds right, doesn't it? Yeah, totally. I think Giannis. Giannis was my guy. I don't have an official ballot, but Giannis. If I did, Giannis would have been my guy. Yeah, and then I totally forgot what our our other one we wanted to mention here in the lightning round was going to be. Damian Lillard avoided. Damian Lillard. Oh yeah. Yes, Damian Lillard, who uh, was go. diagnosed. I thought the diagnosis was going to be worse. I'll be honest with you. Uh, that the sprained knee, he's going to miss game five, which is going to be a big, a big deal because he's the only reason. Well, not the only reason, but like ninety percent of why Portland has gotten this. Might far. be more than that. Yeah, but ninety uh, percent might be underselling him. It might be. It might be. Maybe he is the only reason. Uh, but it did bring up an interesting thought, uh, or what I think is an interesting thought, an interesting discussion point here is 
the value of actually load management because he came right into the bubble and started playing 40 minutes, like right away. There was no ramp mm -hmm. up. And because that was the only way that they were going to get to this point. And, and I don't know, I just wonder, like, I, we know that the reason why load management exists is because the science says when you get fatigued, you get hurt. And there's no doubt that he was fatigued. And guess what? He got hurt. Now, it doesn't happen all the time, but they owe him $140 million over the next three years. Is this how you wanted to fatigue him? Was this really the situation where you wanted to, to put that much strain on his body? I, I don't know. I, I think, thankfully, it's just a knee sprain. Uh, this could have been this could have been much worse so it's a fair thing to ask and this is where it just gets tough right and i don't know if there's a correct answer on this he clearly wanted to play and thought they had like a puncher's chance against lakers where anyone who really like i saw a lot of people being like oh portland's gonna maybe win this and give them trouble. like they were never gonna no. give this lakers team trouble once the lakers team like woke up and anthony davis remembered he's anthony davis they were not going to stand a chance in this series. And they're not standing a chance in this series after an abnormal and subpar game one. So was it worth all of this to kind of get in to get basically bounced out in a gentleman's sweep here? Like, yeah, no, it's not necessarily a, a, worth risking the injury, but these guys are hyper competitive, you know? They want to go out and play and compete, and it's tough to say no to that, you know? It, I, was, I, I was talking about this on Lockdown Pels, like should the Pels almost tank next year? And it's like, how do you tell players that like this is what we're going to do, right? Like at right. a certain point, like they try and you try and win games. You and I have issues with the process in Philly and what they're going through and Sam Hinkie, and we're not going to get into that now. But like, <laughs> even if you liked what you're you right. did, at a certain point, you have to try and win basketball games. Like it's what you're, right. you're here to do, and right. so it's tough to be like, no, don't go out and play. That's that's my take on it. Right, right. So uh, and I'm I'm anti tanking. As far as telling the players on the floor, go lose. I'm, I'm fine with a rebuild where you've got players, like if you want to use Philly and if you decide, all right, this is untenable, we're not going to, so I'm okay with, okay, now you trade Joel Embiid for young players and picks and you trade Ben Simmons for young players and picks. We're going to start over. Teams in that situation that decide to start over, then they're going to be bad. That's fine too. Like I, that, that's, that's not yeah, painting necessarily. How do you tell Lillard, like, don't play? But exactly. But so what you do is you say, you're not going to play more than 34 minutes in these seeding games. We're not going to play more. Like, or we're going to ramp you up. Like, and I, I look at, by comparison, what the Celtics did with Kemba Walker. And Kemba Walker went through very frustrating minutes restrictions where he felt good and he wanted to play more and he didn't play more. But now he's playing better than he has in a long time, and he's out there looking like himself again. Now, it's a little bit different because Damian Lillard wasn't dealing with an injury, and Kemba Walker was, and this was sort of a rehab plan. But still, the ramp-up and strengthening and all of that stuff, there's a reason why the ramp-up exists. There's a reason why the seeding games existed and those exhibition games existed. And it wasn't to just have a guy come in and play 42 minutes a game which Lillard has been doing minus that 30, 30 minutes that he played in that one blowout. And look, he's super competitive. I, I get it. I'm not saying the other side is completely wrong. I'm saying there's a discussion to be had here. The science is what it is. And yeah. I, I think there is some discussion to be had about, did Portland really approach this the same way 
And could they have come up with a plan that ramped Lillard up and maybe strengthened his body uh, a little bit better, a little bit more evenly to, to avoid the potential for an injury? So totally fair. I don't have, I don't have an issue with that. Let's end <laughs> on a happy note. We agree. Like, there we go. Look, we look agree not us. to argue anymore. Yeah, there, there we go. So that's going to do it for the Wednesday edition of Locked on NBA. Again, don't forget, subscribe wherever you get your podcast from. Go check out BuiltBar.com. Use promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off. Get a free cooler as well. And on Wednesdays, I'm your co-host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter and the host of the Locked on Pelicans podcast. And I'm John Corral. It's at Reds Army underscore John on Twitter, and I host the Locked on Celtics podcast. Thank you all for listening. We'll be back with you all next week.